Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is an entertainment podcast, and the research we do may come from semi-unreliable sources. Welcome to Research Rebuttal Podcast. It's the podcast where two stubborn friends prove each other wrong. Each week... One of us will be the researcher, and one of us will be the guesser. I'm Rachel Tyson, and this is Paige Dempster. Hey! <laughs> and today, we're going to discuss forest fires and jesters. I'll be your guesser today, and Paige will be the researcher. Let's get rebutted. <sighs> hey, Rachel. Hey, Paige. How's school going for you? You know, they said to start early on those midterm papers, and it's time to start cracking. You already have midterm papers? Well, they're due They're due in October, right? And it's September? In a you couple of weeks. You have been in class for, like, 10 days. <laughs> it's probably more than 10. But regardless, let's move on. So... Would you say you're funny, Rachel? Well, some people call me funny. I think I'd call you funny. Okay. But I don't think you're as funny as a jester. That's a burn. <laughs> so when did you think that jesters like became a thing? I would say in the 1400s. You're sort of right. So, like, a form of jester has probably been around since, like, the ancient Egyptians. Okay. And a lot of other countries and cultures had them too. Like the Romans had a form of it. The Aztecs had a form of it. But most of my research is going to be about medieval court jesters, which would have been around in the 1400s, because that's the most information I could find was from that time period. Okay. Yeah. So here's an easy one. Uh, what is the purpose of a court jester? To be honest, I really don't know that much about jesters, so I'm just going to throw some stuff out there. Okay. So the purpose of a court jester is, um, you know, you're in the courtroom. It's a life or death <laughs> situation a lot of times. I would say most of the time you're going to... 11 in the morning. Yeah, you're probably going to get killed because, like, if you're on trial in those days, you know. Um, and the jester, I think, their purpose is to like be funny to okay. the person who's about to be put on death row to make oh. their last few hours just, you know, a little bit less bad. Uh, well, as you tend to say to me a lot, you're sort of right. Okay. But time to get rebutted. So the jester's job was to perform and to entertain the royal court. And not only was it the jester's job to make people laugh, it was also the jester's job to deliver bad news to the king in a way that made it seem not so bad and, like, you know, seem like tolerable news to take. So, like, say, for example, there's the enemy, like, advancing on the castle 
the jester would have to go tell that to the king and he might like turn it into a song or something to just, you know, make it seem like enemies aren't about to break down your walls, you know? So this person's job was to be a professional sugar coater. That was part of the job, yeah. But like mainly they just like, you know, told some jokes and stuff just to, you know, keep things lively in the courtroom. Well, I do like comedians. Yeah, Chesters are pretty much just medieval comedians. And not only did they entertain the royal court, but a lot of them performed music in nearby towns for common folk. Oh. Yeah. So, like, not only to the king. So they're, they're medieval gig workers. Pretty much, yeah. That's a good way to put it, actually. <laughs> wow. Why don't you try listing some of the skills that a jester might have? Because it like, was more than the jokes. Like a resume? Like yeah, resume like items? What would a jester put on their resume? Okay. So, writing jokes. Okay. Singing. Mm-hmm. Dancing. Yeah. Knowledge of the court. Okay. Creativity. Good one. Punctuality. <laughs> okay. And an in-depth knowledge of Microsoft Office. Ah. So... Most of those were right. I shouldn't have to explain to our listeners at home that Microsoft Office was not around in 1400. I mean, you um, never know. This is America. That's true. But we're also talking about medieval, probably like England. And punctuality was actually not a factor because court jesters tended to live in the castle. Hmm. But, well, we're living in the age of COVID where people still manage to be late to Zoom meetings, so... That is true. I I guess the jester could technically be late, but all the, those other ones are right. But there's more. Tell me uh, more. According to Wikipedia, a jester would have a wide range of skills, including playing music, storytelling, physical comedy, acrobatics, juggling, telling good jokes telling stupid jokes with puns, and even magic tricks. So you could say that in my outside life, I am a jester. Yeah, you do tell a lot of puns. I tell a lot of puns. And I you do juggle. Of, I do juggle. I tell a lot of bad jokes. I'm punctual. Jokes. <laughs> Again, not technically a thing. I can't really sing or dance, but I you am play musical. play music, though. Yep. Yeah, you could probably qualify as a jester back in the day because there were also female jesters. Really? Not typically, but there were some. No. They usually played for, like, the ladies of the court. Oh. Mm-hmm. I don't have much more information on those, though. Okay. Um, where do you think jesters were on the social ladder? Very low. You're wrong. Oh. Yeah, pleasantly surprising. I am very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, jesters were surprisingly high up the social ladder, like higher up than most people in the court. Wow. The jester was allowed to get away with a lot of stuff, and they could even criticize the actions of the king and queen, along with, you know, making them the butt of the joke. And Who dares <laughs> criticize the queen? The jester was allowed to do that. Wow. And get away with it. Wow. Because according to a lovely website named Clownopedia, 
Um, this is because it was thought that the jester, quote, couldn't help themselves and basically was given a pass because they couldn't control themselves from being white asses. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. But they did have to be careful not to overstep the line because some cases they were actually punished if they went too far, which you would expect. What kinds of punishments? Well, for example, Queen Elizabeth I uh, revoked the title of one of her jesters after they told a joke about her that she didn't like. So <laughs> what you're saying is Donald Trump is adjacent to this queen. Uh, I don't know about that. Well, because if he could, he would definitely punish people for saying bad things about him and his butt. That is true. And Trump is very monarch-like, so I guess you're right. Okay, well, yeah. Describe the typical jester outfit to me. What do you think they wear? They have, like, those funny hats with, like, the bananas. <laughs> the bananas? So, yeah, oh, you know, like... The, you know, like, oh, the points, okay. Yeah, uh, I think, like... Two points or four points were the norm. Okay. And then, like, uh, kind of like what Shrek wore when he was a human. So... I never didn't watch Shrek 2. Was that Shrek 2? Was I think the- it was Shrek 2, the one he- where he got turned into a human. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, like, uh, like a cloth, like, sort of long sleeve shirt, but sort of a vest type of thing. And... Like, like puffy, like wrist puffs, like ornate. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like yeah, very ornate, yeah. And then, um, like, tight pants. They're probably pretty uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> when I think of jester outfits, I think of, like, bright green. Oh, okay. And, um, like, pointy shoes. You are pretty close. Wow. So... You know, obviously different cultures, different outfits, but the typical medieval court jester would wear a motley stitched together piece of clothing in bright colors and they would shave their heads. Hmm. Um, The hat has gone through a few different iterations. In early medieval times, the hat had literal donkey ears stitched to it. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Which... Over the hundreds of years of the medieval times in Europe last, it had turned into a three-point hat with bells attached to it. Yeah, the bells. Yeah. And also, jesters would carry around a scepter called a bauble, and the bauble could be used to do things like make puppets or imitate the scepter of the king and queen. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, the pants and the shoes you got right. Wow. So... Here's the big question that inspired me to research, like, all of this. Why do jesters dress like that? Well, okay, I'm going to start with the bright colors. All right. I think a couple different things about that. For one thing, since jesters were higher up on the social ladder, they probably had access to, like, the wealth to afford brightly dyed clothing. Uh Uh-huh. And I think another part of that is... Since they're supposed to be funny, they're going to wear bright clothing to draw attention to them. You are completely right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I actually did not expect you to get that one. That's that's like the part that like stands out to me is the color. Now, as for the pointy shoes, um, again, it's kind of funny looking and probably 
it was probably just the style. I don't know if there was a specific reason for it other than it draws attention. No. Yeah. Again, completely right. Okay. <laughs> the entire reason for the ridiculous outfit was because people thought the combination of bright colors, pointy stuff, bells, and stitched together clothing was really funny. I mean, it is. <laughs> yeah, it still is. <laughs> and like you said, back in medieval times, bright color clothes were interesting and unusual because like those dyes, regular people could not afford those dyes. Yeah. Only nobility could. So like when you see the jester like out in the village performing his thing, like we said they did earlier, it really made them stand out. And so this combined with the performance, the jester was hilarious. <laughs> I love it. Back in ye old days. When did you think uh, Jester spell out a commonplace? Um, so I don't know the exact years, but I would say like at the end of medieval. So maybe around like 1600? Uh, just about, I think so. Eh, a little off. Uh, the tradition of court jesters died around... 1700s oh okay yeah except for in russia spain and germany um in italy and france there were a few traveling groups of jesters called commedia dell'arte which eventually evolved into like their performances evolved into what we now know as puppet shows oh yes and even these troops though like disappeared by the end of the french revolution hmm uh, there are still a few officially recognized jesters around the world today. Really? Yeah. Uh, in 2015, the town of Con Conwy in North Wales appointed Russell Irwood as the official resident jester of the town and its people, a post that had been vacant since 1295. I love it. Yeah. And would you like to take a guess for our fun fact? Any guess. Okay. Well, I mean, I was going to ask you a question about it. But... Oh, yeah, okay. Okay, what's the question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What year do you think the Joker was put on American playing cards? 1846. Close 1863. Wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's time for a word from our sponsors. Are you tired of people making fun of your pointy hat and jingly bells and bad jokes? Then you need Cat in the Hat. Not only is it a timeless classic, but if you order your own at drdeuce.com slash rnr, you will receive a live cat with your purchase, who is not just small enough to hide under your hat, it is feral enough to mercilessly attack anyone who mocks you. Again, that's drdeuce.com slash rnr to receive your copy of Cat in the Hat, complete with feral feline. Welcome back. Hello. I see you have switched us on the recording i am now on the left and you are on the right you want me to put it back no change is good um let's talk about fire let's talk about fire yeah i love fire <laughs> so you're aware that fire can burn in different colors right yes why do you think that is well it's uh different chemical reactions um kind of when things combust, they can combust in different colors. And, yeah. 
You all right there? <laughs> yeah, I just I was thinking back to 10th grade chemistry. Uh, okay, so I made sure to leave out as much of the chemistry stuff as possible to make this bearable for you. Okay. <laughs> so the reason that like fire can burn in different colors is either different substances it's burning off of doesn't necessarily have to be chemicals and depending on how hot the flame is it will change the color yeah like just a regular red orangey fire when it's when it's blue that's like really hot but when it's white that's the coolest kind of yeah but but it's still fire yeah it's still fire what you said about the orange one will make me get into a little bit of chemistry though okay what do you think makes a typical fire orange? Carbon. You're very close, because when I was started doing research, I thought it was going to be carbon, too. Okay. <laughs> it turns out that, like, orange fires tend to be, like, wood-burning fires. Mm -hmm. And it's not the carbon from the wood. It's that a lot of wood also contains sodium. And sodium will turn a flame orange. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's fun. Um, how hot do you think a fire could burn? And where's the hottest part of the fire? Well, so fire can be different temperatures, right? Yeah. And the hottest it can get, like, yeah. I, I feel like there are some rocket scientists who have made some really hot fire. I don't know what the, I don't know what the maximum temperature would be, but I would say 600 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, you're very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> We're, you and I are not that good at guessing numbers. <laughs> no. <laughs> According to ThoughtCo and Skysaver.com, your typical wood fire would burn at a very most like 3,000 degrees Celsius. Wow. And on average be only around 2,000 degrees Celsius. Wow. However, if we switch out the wood and make the fire come from something like, oh, I don't know, lightning, the hottest a fire can get in that case is 30,000 degrees Celsius. Wow. Yeah. And I'm leaving out, like, thermonuclear bombs and, like, rocket fuel, because that's stupid and it doesn't count. Yeah, so the other part of the question was, where does the fire get hot? Well, yeah. Well, it, it gets the hottest where it's burning from, like, the source. So if you're burning wood, it's going to be hottest at the wood. You are correct. That area where it's the closest is called the combustion point. Wow. Wow, science. Um, I am a social science major. <laughs> Emphasis on the social, though. <laughs> it's still science. You're true. It is still science. But you thought a fire was 600 degrees <laughs> Fahrenheit, might I add. <laughs> yeah, go on. Like an oven can get can get nearly to that temperature. Well, yeah. And there's a little flame that makes it get that hot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. How many different colors of fire do you think there are? And name them off if you can think of them. Okay, well, there's green. One. Blue. Two. Orange. Three. Red. Four. Purple. Five. Well, I would say all colors of the rainbow. Okay, so seven. 
Um, okay. You're kind of close. There are 11 distinct shades of color that fire can burn. They are all colors of the rainbow. And so, wait, so there's shades. You said what colors? I may have trapped you there. <laughs> um, so, yes, 11 different shades of colors that fire can burn, be it from different fuel sources or different levels of heat. Mm-hmm. And they are, in order, carmine, which is just like dark red, regular red, red orange, orange, orange yellow, yellow green, apple green, regular green, blue, violet, light violet, and white. Okay. Yeah, and a lot of these cooler colors, like green and stuff, are only able to be a thing if you add dangerous chemicals like borax into them. Yeah. Uh, So they're usually only used for, like, pyrotechnics. Mm. I remember one time, though, like, I was on, like, a camping trip when I was little. Like, you know, back when I was, like, seven, so I was with my stepsister. Mm -hmm. My dad somehow managed to get his hands on whatever chemical you needed to make a fire burn purple. (laughs) So one night we just straight up had a purple campfire. That's awesome. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, like, if, like, the chemicals you put into the fire make it safe to burn or, like, to, like, cook something over it, though, (laughs) because we cook marshmallows over it. This is how the Powerpuff Girls are born. I mean, I'm okay now. And I may or may not be a Powerpuff Girl. What, ooh, what Powerpuff Girl would I be? I think Buttercup. Yeah. I'm too, I'm too mean to be Bubbles. Yeah, you're not, not Bubbles. And I'm not responsible enough to be Blossom. You're so. definitely not Blossom. <laughs> no, so I'll take Buttercup. You'll be Bubbles, I think. I'm bubbles somewhere between. Blossom. Nah, I, th- I, was, yeah. I was thinking somewhere between Bubbles and Buttercup. You're, I think you'd be able to do Blossom. I don't like Blossom. Why don't you like Blossom? <laughs> because she's like bossy and like she's bossy because she's the leader but she's like she's like too lawful good for me she is very lawful good whereas like bubbles is like chaotic good yeah i guess you're right buttercup is like chaotic neutral yeah not necessarily good sometimes good sometimes yeah, if I would left to like her own like, devices, I think she would set the city on fire. That is probably true. Yeah, which I would also do. Yeah. Um, let's talk about California right now. Yeah. Would you like to explain what is happening there right now for anyone that doesn't know? Well, I would say that California is always on fire, and I I would like to know why. Ah, we are going to answer those questions today. Okay. So, there are four main factors. Why don't you guess some of the factors? So, we're talking about strictly, like, the forest fires, right? Yeah. Well, (laughs) for one thing, the Native Americans, and I I realize that the term Native American isn't always acceptable anymore. I apologize. I don't know what else to use. Um, So, the people who used to live on current American land in California before colonialism used to have controlled burnings and this would help prevent like out of control forest fires 
You all right over there? What's yeah, going on? There's there's some loud vehicles outside. Oh, okay. And so they would do these controlled fires and it would help prevent future forest fires. And then uh, the white people made some laws and they were like, don't do controlled burnings anymore. And surprise, there are out of control forest fires. So I think that's one reason. Another yeah. reason. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So another reason is climate change. Okay. So I think perhaps the temperature is different at different times of the year. And so it becomes extra dry when it's not supposed to be extra dry. And that sort of starts fires. Okay. Um, I don't think you're going to get one of these. Okay. I think you can get this, the third one. Okay. I think sometimes forest fires are set by accident um, by like campers and irresponsible people. And then other times, uh, as contributors to climate change, like, people are dumping stuff, and that can, like, ignite fires. You got all of them right. <laughs> all four of them, really? Or, you know, all three of the ones I expected you to get. Do you want to, okay. like, take a quick stab at what could be the fourth one? Um, terrorism. Okay, well, I guess that's good enough. Before we get into like all that other stuff, because I know you're going to be very excited to talk about that, yeah. <laughs> let me explain the fourth one. Uh, according to economictimes.com, the wildfires in California are caused by four main factors, climate change, people being stupid, uh, America being too good at fire suppression, and Santa Ana winds. Oh. Okay, so these winds sweep into California from the Great Basin, which is like Nevada-ish. And like Idaho-ish around October every year, which not only dries out the vegetation, but it also helps spread the embers around. Mm. So it's not October quite yet, but Economic Times did also say, according to a recent study, uh, scientists have found there are two distinct burning seasons in California, and October is the second one, mm. and October is far worse. So <laughs> can't wait for those winds, baby. Now let's talk about people being stupid. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, sometimes people are stupid and just, like, accidentally start fires that get out of control. <laughs> Fun fact, in 2003, there was a novice hunter named Sergio Martinez that got lost in the California wilderness. So he decided it would be a good idea to make a small signal fire to alert rescuers. But, you know... Because of those Santa Ana winds from earlier, uh, it got out of control and caused one of the worst fires in California history. Oh my god. It was the Great Cedar Fire of 2003, and it was the third largest wildfire that California has recorded. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, it destroyed over 273,000 acres of land and killed 15 people. Oh my god. And that was in, I believe, two months. Wow. Yeah. Uh, fire suppression. You went over it pretty well. Um, the way the Native Americans did it, again, also don't know the name for what I should be calling it these days, and I am sorry. Um, they would do the controlled burns, which would get rid of a lot of leaf litter and dead trees. Right. Which are, like, the main fuel for fires these days. Right. Like, wildfires. Yeah. And... You know, when Manifest Destiny happened and 
white men swept across America, killing everything with it. They also said, hey, no more of that. We don't know why you do it, but fire bad. And for a while, nothing really happened. So everyone thought it was like fine and dandy. It only is today that we are having all of these problems. Well, not today, but like in recent years. Mm -hmm. Because all the leaf litter and dead trees have built up. Right. And are now causing really bad fires. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, global warming is a thing. Fix your crap. Be Corporations. Corporations looking at you. Ye who causes like 80% of this. And also large-scale factory farms, which would fall under the category of corporations. That anyway. is true. Yeah. That's, that's all I had. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for listening to this episode of Research Rebuttal Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Research Rebut and on Facebook and Instagram at Research Rebuttal Podcast. Please email us at researchrebuttalpodcast at gmail.com with topic suggestions. Tell us how much you hate global warming. Yes. Tell us how much you hate global warming, climate change, big corporations, capitalism, colonialism, all that stuff. Tell us all about how much you hate it. We want to hear it. (laughs) And uh, don't forget to rate and review. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.